One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Ozbiz Live from our Brangaroo studios. You've tuned in for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's welcome the panel. Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank Good you. to see you. Thanks for joining us. And Mark Mullen from Team Invest. Good I'm, I'm, I'm excellent. Yeah. Can't complain. Well, bright eyed, bushy tailed, but yep. we've got a lot to get through. Um, I call it a diverse list of stocks we're going to get through today. Someone on the panel referred to them as a motley bunch of stocks, which I think is a bit unkind, Mark uh, Moore. But anyhow, <laughs> um, this half hour we're going to cover Illumina, uh, BWP, South32, Remelius, and Ampol. Um, and uh, stock of the day, though, I thought I'd uh, take a look at uh, WiseTech the uh, big logistics tech platform. Uh, Tech stocks rallying again today, and it's been a pretty common theme over the last couple of months. Uh, There's been the big focus on US tech stocks leading the market and the S&P 500. It's sort of been a bit similar here in Australia, but only at the leading end, the likes of WiseTech, Xero, Ordinate, Altium, Technology One. Um, some tech stocks that don't make any money, of course, have been uh, left behind a bit. But uh, Wise Tech at a five-year high <coughs> at the moment, Mark Morlin. Um, what do you reckon of, of Wise Tech at the moment, the logistics uh, group? Well, it's we, had a massive run. It has. It? Well, we don't worry about runs, but the yeah. the the company itself is actually um, very good, and we've done yeah. we've done quite a lot of, quite a lot of work on it. Right. Um, it's a They've got about thirty percent net profit margin, you know, which is what you should have as a technology company. Yep. A lot yep. don't. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. they're actually very good at converting. It's got a founder CEO yep. who's uh, an interesting character. He's a great character. Yep. I love his story. Yep. You said I've, I've told the story before, but um, he used to be the uh, run the logistics for ACDC when they were touring. Oh. Uh, my. Uh, brother-in-law was ACDC's manager, so so knew him very well back then. He said it just used to be all these spreadsheets because logistics of an ACDC global tour is absolutely <coughs> massive uh, as a leapfrog sort of two sets and all that sort of stuff, leap, leapfrog city. So uh, uh, he mastered that and he was a wizard. Now he's built this ginormous company. Yeah, yeah, no, it's an absolute credit to him. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to like about it. There's a couple of things we don't like, but overall it passes everything from our point of view in Team Invest. And uh, we're showing it returning. It's interesting. It's our, our predicted return at the current share price, which, as you said, it's at a record high at the moment. Yeah. And the current PE, trailing PE is 108. Wow, which that's is massive. High, yeah, that's very high. But it's always had a high PE. Yeah. And if you look at the um, the recent past, 
the highs have been about 130, the lows 50-ish. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty big range. So it does move around a lot. So there's opportunities to buy it at a lower PE. Earnings of growth is running at 37% a year. That's the average over the last six years, which is outstanding. Sales are growing at about 29. So that just shows you they've obviously got good operational efficiency in that as they add a new client, each one is more profitable than the last because basically their cost price is fixed. Right. And what they are doing, which I think is really impressive, is they've clearly become market global market leader in the whole uh, international freight uh, demurrage and all the all the documentation. It's all super complicated, yeah. and all the countries all have different tax rates and so on. And they have picked up, um, I think, five. I haven't looked at it for a while, but like five of the biggest international freight forwarders and so on as clients. But in those cases, like I think FedEx is one of them, yeah. they implement their the Wise Tech program progressively by country. So they've got this massive runway wow. of clients that are actually basically going, we're buying your system, but it's going to take us a decade to uh, implement it because it's such a big deal. Wow! And there's a big moat in this because the reason it's going to take a long time to implement is because whatever they're doing now, they've got to get out of that into this transfer it all. It's all, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's really But they're hard. prepared to do it. Well, this is good. And I think what it is, is their technology and their process is so much better. Mm. A lot of the other ones are very old. So it's not like yep. they're going from a, a current technology, they're going from old stuff. Yep. And a lot of it was manual yep. and spreadsheets and stuff like yep. you were talking about. Yep. So I think we think it's got a very big runway. So it's going to stay on a high PE for a long time. Interestingly, though, the return um, on our modelling, uh, we've given it 33% per year at the current price going forward for the next five years if they continue doing what they're doing. Right. And that includes a terminal PE of, which is probably one of the issues, I'll just have a look and see what it is, uh, 92. Right. So not that far away from where we are now. Yeah. If they keep growing at the sort of rate they're growing, I think they can maintain the high PE. Right. But, uh, but they'll need to. Right. So there is a risk in that. You know? yeah. So I'd rather lower PEs, but look, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's not many sure. companies that have been growing at 30% no. uh, compound. With that sort of margin. No. And the other thing is on a margin of safety, though, it brings it down to the return of 3.4, because what it does is it drops down the P ratio to terminal 50, and it t- drops the earnings to 19. Right. Yeah. So on our margin of safety, which is our most heavily discounted yep. version. Yep. Yep. So pretty big range, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like it. Okay. So and, uh, I'd have to say, even though it's had a run on price, I think it's still a buy. Buy. Okay. Um, so, a couple of years ago, it, it's <coughs> governance, transparency was questioned by a whole bunch of short sellers, yep. um, which proved to be wrong. Um, and it looks as though they have put a lot of work into beefing up their board. Governance, oh, transparency, things like that. I mean, the short selling so thing. So you're happy with that? I, I, I sort of fell for that when it yeah. first happened because when there's, you know, the old saying of where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. But you've got to be, you've got to be very careful paying any attention to what short sellers say unless you really go into it, and because a lot of them are trying to drive the price down. Yeah. You know, so they profit. And the, there was a UK one where they did, I forget the guy's name, but he actually did a whole video on it and I watched it all. And he, he, he let the cat out of the bag at the end. He basically said that they were misrepresenting their uh, results and the, uh, their numbers, but it met all the required um, uh, rules under GAP 
accounting yeah. and so on. You go, hang on, hang on. So what you're saying is they're reporting how they have to report it because the auditors make them report it that way. Yeah. And you're saying it's misleading, which it probably is because that's, yeah. as Buffett says, Gap is now 100% misleading. Right. That's okay. what Buffett says. Right. Mm. But, but, with, with the but the point standard. is, you, but all you can do is do what the rules are. Well, and, yeah. and we know it with uh, Tim Best Private, if the auditor says you've got to do something and they say you have to state it this way or you have to take this out, put that in, you have no choice. Yeah. You have yeah, to yeah. do it so they won't sign the accounts off. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't sign the accounts off, everyone goes, what? Yep. yep. So you're happy with yes. the, the government? Yes, yeah. so I'd say BS to all that. Right, okay. Mm. Uh, Michael? Yeah, I agree. I mean, all I'll, you know, without repeating, all I'll add is, um, yeah, they've had some issues in the past. You've, you've just mentioned the short selling. There's been concerns that um, organic growth hasn't, um, yeah, a lot of people are looking at all the acquisitions and saying <clears> they're <throat> just growing by acquisition, but yeah. they've proven that they have been able to grow organically as well and you know when they bolt on these new businesses as Mark mentioned they've got a fairly flat cost space so um, they're even moving now into landside um, logistics as well um, using their expertise there um, I mean the addressable market is still huge in, in front mm. of them and I know people used to say that a lot a couple of years ago with tech companies you know this is the addressable market and oh, this no. is where these guys are <laughs> but you know wise tech has proven to actually you know be able to expand yeah. into that addressable market so um, yeah, all I'll add is the the chart. You know, obviously, obviously I look at charts. You, you can't beat that uptrend. I mean, it's as good as an uptrend as you'll get. So it's definitely yeah. a hold in terms of buying because of the the high PE. Every now and then, if the market gets a little bit worried about something, it can come off a bit um, because of that PE. But I think you use that as the opportunity to buy. So. I don't think I'd be buying it here. I'd be waiting for some sort of opportunity okay. to get it a bit cheaper, if, right. if you can. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. Yep. All right. And um, uh, it is it is just turned into one of these great Aussie tech companies. So um, we, we don't have a lot of them actually, because no. the ones that have been really outstanding, uh, yeah. which I think the other one's TNE. Yeah. Yeah. And now TNE has now proven they've, they've expanded in the yep. UK successfully now. Yep. So that's the secret. I mean, and it's very no difficult for Australian companies to actually do. They do well here, and they own the market in about ten years. Yeah. And then the only growth, the only way to keep growth going is go overseas, and most of them falter. Yeah. Mm. You know, at that point, that's the that's the hard one. So WiseTech has proven they've now, yeah. and they've got international clients. They've, they've bridged that already. Yeah. And now that now their market is really big for them. So. But your your point, which I I hadn't realised, that some of these big clients are only just at the start yeah. of implementing it. So they get massive growth in the existing client that could be over the yeah. next 10 years. We, we learned that through one of our members went out and interviewed clients. Oh. They found out clients they had and so on. When talked to them and found out that was exactly what it was. Wow. And they were all happy, you know, so there was no, you didn't get anything yeah. uh, okay. negative. All right. Yeah. All right. WiseTech certainly shooting the lights out, but uh, Michael Fearer wants a view on Illumina. Not quite as sexy basically it's a, uh, a listed investment company that its asset is a 40 percent stake in uh, alcoa is it it's a, reminds yeah. me a bit of deterra which is just gets royalties gets from royalties. a bhp iron ore mine mm. these guys just get a return from their shares in alcoa yeah yeah look i'm i'm not that keen on this one i know i've been fairly positive in in the commodity space and I think there's opportunity there um, you know aluminium prices they're still sliding this business has had had issues with grades um, production issues um, yeah look and uh, again we've got a we've got a stock that's still stuck in a bit of a 
a bit of a downtrend. So it, um, you know, your, your iron ore miners and your, your lithium miners all, all seem to be uh, attracting the spotlight at the moment. And, and that's where we see, see opportunity. Um, so for someone like me, that's already quite overweight resources. I don't see a need to add um, Illumina to, to the portfolio. I think our viewer can, um, can find better opportunities elsewhere. Okay. Uh, Mark? Uh, well, so, well, so their staff would just be a bunch of accountants. Uh, well, I'm I was trying to look and see how much, checks. trying to see what their overheads are because they should be really low. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but they don't make. I mean, their their profits been all over the shop. You know, so if you look at it, the um, even if you if, if you look at their profit, the, they had the the highest they had was nine hundred million in eighteen, then seven fifty, one ninety seven, four eighty, one fifty. Mm. It's all over the shop. Mm. One of the things we look for when we're looking at investments is stability of earnings, <clears throat> and yep. the more stable it is, then you can look at and ask the question of you know is it likely to continue into the future? And the more we can see that, the more you can come up with a reliable argument of what your return is going to be. If it's all over the shop, how do you do it now? A part of it's what um, Michael said that the because uh, they're in the commodity business as well, and that and they uh, that, that by definition is always going to be a lot more um, volatile than yeah. say a Cyclical. IT business like yep. we, we we have long term contracts I think, uh, but it makes it very difficult, and their their numbers just aren't that very good, and from our point of view it sort of fails on a lot of our measures, so we would never look at it. The return on equity is only six and a half percent, so it's under our minimum. The stability is terrible. Um, doesn't have a, a mountain of debt, but there's just nothing there that I'll get excited about. And where um, our uh, conscious investors showing it, giving you a negative return of 22% a year if they continue to what they continue on their current trend. Yeah. Okay, so it's a no-brainer. I know. It's a no, <laughs> it's a no, I would, I would sell it if I had it. Yeah. Okay. So you do a sell on. All right. Um, our next um, stock is a real estate investment trust. Tom wants a view. Mark on BWP, it, uh, um, it's famous because its portfolio is basically all the big Bunnings um, yeah. stores around the country. It was uh, Wes Farmers um, hived it off. Uh, Wes Farmers, of course, owns Bunnings, hived off all the property into this REIT. Um, and West Farmers own just under 25% of the trust as well. Yeah, and see, that's interesting in itself because there's a bit of a conflict of interest there because you've got West Farmers as the Bunnings are the tenants and they own 25% of the owner of the properties. Yep. Now, I, I had a look at their uh, accounts, which was um, interesting because I've never looked at it before because it's not a company we've ever looked at. Okay. And one of the, a few of the things I noticed, which bear out what I'm saying, is that <coughs> there's a, the CPI is capped at a maximum of 2.5. So increases in rent on all their existing tenants cannot be more than 2.5% a year. Okay, well, that's not very good, is it? No. And you like this one. Here's a better one. Market review every 10 years, but it's capped at a maximum of 10% uh, up or down, collar or, uh, uh, collar or caps, right. 10%. So in other words, uh, on the 10-year 10, 10 reviews, they can, it, this is mark to market. This is where right. you get independent yeah. group in. Yeah, yeah. It can't be more than 10%. Now that's West Farmers. Every 10 they, years. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, isn't that 1% a year in my mind? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless I'm missing something. So this is West Farmers highly off the property to investors, yeah. but saying, Make hey, you're not, you're not going to get a great return. Well, you're not, well, well let's not say that. It's not necessarily true, but you're, what you're, you're not going to do is you're not going to have the upside you would have if it was an independent transaction. Right. So, so it okay. is what it is. Anyway, having yeah, said all that, um, the, the other interesting... Well, just on that, you'd say Well, no. oh, to me, it just 
begs the question of, you know, is it a... The plus is they're very, very reliable tenants and, and Bunnings is super successful, which means they're not going anywhere, right. which means they don't have the same risks that a lot of the other REITs have, particularly in offices and so on, where you yeah. know, there's questions on uh, whether you can have tenants or not. So yeah. there's, a, there's a significant value in that. It's paying a reasonable uh, dividend. I think it's uh, is it five or something. Uh, it's not massive, but it's, it's reasonable. Uh, no, it's not paying 1.6. I'll take it back <laughs> at the moment. Um, and the other thing is they've still got revaluations in there. And they, they quite clearly, it's one of the problems I have with REITs, is they have operating earnings, which is their, the money they're making on, uh, uh, on, on rents, less expenses and so on. And then they have revaluations on the property, which goes into the bottom line. Yeah. And they, of their 78.6 million, uh, 78. million um, income last year, 54 million of that was revaluations up. Now they did. Have, they did have a few down, but most of them were still up. Right. So we are arguably going into a stage now where, uh, with interest rates going up, cap rates will come down. So it's going to be right, difficult right. to maintain, and I, I suspect that'll come under pressure. And you can guarantee that Bunnings and everyone will be arguing that the rents should go down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not up. Yeah. So I think that's so for me. Uh, it's a no right. because it's got some pluses, but there's a few negatives there, and I think there's a pretty and a conflict. There's a headwind. Yeah. Michael? Um, yeah, I noticed the, the rent thing as well. So um, when there's a range of REITs on, on the market, I don't think you need to need to be in that one. I, just speaking about REITs in general, I, I think there's an opportunity <coughs> here because they have been um, quite overdone. Obviously, we know where interest rates are and what, what's going to happen with the cap rates. So the um, discounts yeah, I, I think it's asset worth, value is, has been overblown. But yeah, potentially. I mean... It's it's not a crowded space by any means. I mean, everyone seems to hate that yeah. sector at the moment. Um, I mean, I've, look, we're we're invested in Goodman Group. Um, obviously, you know, when Mark was mentioning, you know, some REITs don't have, um, you know, there's problems with tenants and and, and vacancies and, and quality of tenants. At least with something like a Goodman Group, right. you know, the vacancies are quite low and they've got long leases and. But also and in warehousing so and so on, which is, yeah, which is, which is actually fish. still doing well, yeah, which is not, yeah, exactly. not retail or industrial. Uh, uh, from discussion of REITs on the calls panels over the last couple of months, uh, Goodman seems to be an outlier, yeah. a standard yeah, out, leader yeah. in the market. Yeah. And then the argument for the discount on REITs at the moment is that the market is factoring in uh, down rounds in terms of revaluations. Yep. Uh, I think that's right. That they'll, they'll trickle through in the future. Mm. So and the question so is, have they gone too far? Yes. Yeah. So and you think if they you think, if you think they may have, I, I think looking at something like a charter hall here, office. I know most people go, "Oh, mm. you sure?" Yeah. But maybe for that very reason, yeah. just be worth uh, keeping an eye on. So. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I'm just trying to look forward where are we yeah. going to be in 12 months from now and interest rate cuts and, and, you know, an economy that's doing a bit better than what it is at the moment. Um, just just something to bear in mind. So Goodman Group's the number one pick. I think Charter right. Hall's a, um, an interesting opportunity here. Right. But, but this particular and, uh, one with Bunnings... No, no, not for you either. I don't see the upside. Okay. Uh, Albus and Robert, uh, one of you, Michael, on South32, um, company that... Uh, was spun out of uh, BHP back in 2015 um, in um, mining, of course, really big miner, uh, bauxite, <coughs> copper, silver, lead, zinc, nickel, metallurgical coal, manganese, uh, Australia, South Africa, South America. 
um, as originally sort of packaged up as all of the duds in BHP, um, but has turned out to be <laughs> out to be pretty good when the management's yeah. got out of the BHP umbrella. They seem to have really uh, performed. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, in the short term, the share price has come under pressure because they had this um, update in May, and I think the market was a bit disappointed with um, you know how high the costs were and um, you know their production and cash flow numbers. So it's yeah been a bit under pressure. I, I think at these levels, it's worth buying. I mean, I'm as I mentioned quite optimistic that commodity prices will tick up <coughs> over the next 12 months. I don't, I don't think we're in for a, a hard landing and um, you know I'm expecting demand to pick up later this year, early next year generally um, and across the globe and that'll flow through to commodity prices. And look, South 32 has generally been a pretty good operator. Mm. I mean, obviously the last, the last result was a bit disappointing, but everyone's been facing issues with staff and, and costs and so on. So I think I think there's an opportunity here and um, I'd be happy to buy it at these levels. Uh, because everyone says, yes, <coughs> excuse me, these resource stocks um, uh, are cyclical. Yep. So the time to buy is when everyone dislikes them mm -hmm. and they basically do at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So so they're cyclical. So I'm, I would be buying South 32 here and maybe still holding it five years from now and just put it in the bottom drawer. You don't, you don't do that. You need to to ride them on the way back up and then get rid of them when everyone's mm. excited again. But that that point about when to buy them when everyone's giving up, very interestingly, it was only a few weeks ago we had some PMI data out of China um, and the iron ore stocks were, were belted and it seemed as though everyone was giving up on the whole China recovery story, but that was the turnaround in stocks <coughs> like BHP and Fortescue yep. and, um, and now they're heading higher again because as you'd expect, the Chinese are providing a bit of stimulus. Stim I mean, yeah. not, not too much at the moment, but I think there's more to come. Mm. So, right. um, yeah, I think we're still at that phase where there's a lot of doubters um, for, for that area, and I think there's sort of an opportunity. Mm. <coughs> Mark Mullen, are, um, are you a doubter? Well, well Team Invest, uh, we wouldn't be interested. Yep. Um, from my point of view, just looking at it, um, it's got a few things going for it. It's um, stability's it fails, everything else passes from our filtering and so on. We're showing a returning about 13% a year uh, next five years on current performance. Right. You know, so if it continues on, the pluses are, it's got 26% return on equity, which is fabulous. They've got very little debt and they have uh, 78 years of interest cover, so there's no, no debt problems at all. Uh, they could pay their debt off in seven months if they wanted to, uh, out of cash flow. And it's on a PE of 5.16, so, and it's paying an 8% dividend. Which I, think's, which I think is frank, so it's, right. you make it 11 or 12 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Although the miners generally, and BHP and others are also on very low PEs. Yeah. And it is interesting because you look at their earnings and go, well, the earnings are actually way above the uh, PEs, but of course the market is anticipating that commodity prices will come off. Personally, I think unless something happens in China with uh, Taiwan or something, I think uh, I think commodities will continue on going very well. And, and some of what South, they have manganese, manganese and other um, mm. metals to do with uh, electric vehicles and stuff. So they've got a lot of the specialised stuff they have is actually going to be very, very short supply and so on. So I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it, although it's not okay. a company we, Tim Invest, would invest in. Okay. All right. So, so 
Well, if you want to, at a personal level, if you if you want to have it as a buy, if you want to be in mining and accept the commodity risk, then I could say right. it's a buy. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> put those buy those, those, those on it. I don't remember yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Remelius, though, Mark? No. Um, oh, well, that was quick. Uh, gold expiration and um, uh, company, of course, Mort wants uh, a view on it. They make a lot of their money. Uh, revenue out of the Mount Mount Magnet gold mine project? Yeah, the problem is they've been around for quite a while and yeah. the returns is on, they've got they've got 1.8% return on equity and they don't have any debt, which is good, but it's just, that's, um, uh, it's, it's just not very good. Mm. <laughs> so we're showing it returning about 7.5% on a margin of safety. Defaults a bit, it's quite a lot higher than that. And it's on a 15 PE, but it's just not something I know anything about and you need to have a lot better understanding of the business Yep. To be able to have a real opinion on it, but we wouldn't. Yep. It would. It doesn't get to first base with us. Right. Okay. PE's in the top quartile at the moment, by the way. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael, what do you reckon? Is this is this one of our better gold miners? We've got a lot of good gold miners, haven't we? Would this be yeah. on, the, on um, the radar? It's not in the top few. I mean, obviously, Northern Star. Um, you know, Newcrest has been been through been in the wars over the years, and unfortunately. That's not going to be around anymore, which is a bit of a shame. One less stock to trade. Um, look, with gold, it's a bit of a crowded space. I think I might have mentioned on on this show a couple of times um, over the past couple of months. Just everyone seemed to be bullish gold. Um, I couldn't find anyone that was negative on gold, and um, you know, as as opposed to say office REITs that we'll talk about before, where everyone seems to hate it. Um, everyone seemed to be bullish on gold. So we're actually seeing quite a bit of profit taking up here. Right. Um, on, on all the gold stocks, um, I've look. I've traded gold stocks a couple of times over the last six months for clients, but mainly um, Newcrest, Evolution, or Northern Star, um, and they'll be the the go-to ones. Well, Northern Star and, and perhaps Evolution, when the time is right. I'm not sure when that will be. I mean, right. the gold price I think has potential to rally again. Um, on a falling US dollar and falling interest rates. But at the moment, we're just, as I said, in a situation where that whole space is a bit crowded um, and that's getting taken advantage of and there's downside momentum in a lot of these stocks. So perhaps down the track, there'll be a gold trade, not necessarily Remelius. Okay, but uh, gold altogether, you wouldn't be in at the moment? Not at the moment. I'm waiting for, for some sort of evidence that, you know, perhaps people are giving up on that whole idea or, or gold's going to rally again. Um, I think we need to get through these, all this interest rate talk. I can't believe we're still talking about it, but you know, maybe in the back half of this year, there might be opportunities. Okay. All right. Uh, Pell wants a view, Michael, on Ampol, our biggest and, and only Australian listed petroleum refiner. Uh, has, of course, the 2,000 service stations. Um, mm. What do you think of Ampol? Um, ultimately, I don't know if you really need to to be here i suppose yeah they're half sort of half retailer now half um a refiner yeah. they're they're refining margins from what we've seen yeah they're, they're okay but lagging lagging some of their their peers overseas um you know on the retail side of things that seems to be pretty resilient um you know it seems to be reasonable value um as a business um, but if I just try to think of, well, what are the catalysts to give us a decent amount of upside? I don't know if there are. It just sort of plods along and, you know, I think you could pick up your dividend and 
um, if that's what <coughs> you're after. But they get a bit of government funding too, don't they? Yeah, or incentives to yeah, stay, I mean, you stay could, as a refiner, strate strategic asset. Yeah, I suppose uh, you know that that's that could be a double-edged sword. Anything with, when the government's involved, it looks good one day, <laughs> and they'll take it away the next. Yeah. Um, if if that's what the the populace want, so. Um, yeah, look, I, I just I just don't see a lot of lot of upside from here, and we could see the way it's trading when I look at charts. It's just pretty range bound, so okay. um, it'd be an avoid for me. Okay, I, th I think Michael's plotting was the operative word. It's a plot, it's a plotter. <laughs> right. If you look at their earnings, but, yeah, but in tough times, <clears throat> uncertain times, a plotter can do okay. Yeah? I suppose. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't to, I, don't be, I, don't, to, I don't want to be an applauder during tough times either. Oh, okay. It's like mediocre companies. We class them as there's right. heaps of mediocre companies. Uh, Why bother? Yeah. So 1.8% uh, average uh, EPS growth over the last six years. That's like, no. it's, it's not even quite making inflation. It's not making inflation. No. Particularly now. Yeah. Um, and there's a consequence. They're paying 7.8% uh, dividend, 7.7% yield, right. uh, which is something. And see, a lot of people get turned on by that, but we're in a higher inflationary environment now. Yep. And you can get 5% on cash. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, seven's not that good anymore, where it was. <clears throat> we're showing a returning a range between 2.5 and 9.4. So two and a half on a margin of safety and 9.4 over the next five years, which is mediocre. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Why? Uh, because you go past service station and go, geez, they're, they're gouging at these levels and oil prices. Well, the gouging is not coming through. It's not, not coming, coming through, through to shareholders. Right. Okay. All right. Or into operating profits. All right. Okay. All right. Let's re recap the uh, the first five stocks, including our stock of the day, WiseTech. Um, a hold from uh, from Michael. A buy from Mark. Lumina, a sell from Mark, um, a no from Michael, BWP, uh, the Bunnings, if you like, real estate investment trust, the REIT, uh, a no from both. Um, uh, both agree good in this space. Um, Goodman is the standout in terms of, uh, of what you'd look at to invest. But Michael also, also threw in Charter Hall as an interesting one to look at, even though it's in, in commercial office space, uh, there is an argument to say it's been discounted over the top um, and there could be a bounce when reality sets in. Uh, South 32, a buy from both. Um, it doesn't, Mark puts the uh, proviso, it doesn't pass Team Invest filters, uh, being a resource stock, um, but has a lot going for it. Uh, Remelius, a no from both, and Ampol, a, a no from both as well. <coughs> uh, here on the call, we've been following our own fantasy investment portfolio. It was picked by our investment committee. Uh, the June investment committee meeting was uh, is on the platform at the moment to have a look at there. Um, South 32 was replaced by Altium. Uh, Woodside Energy was removed. It's waiting split between CSL, Linus and West Farmers. Elders was out and uh, its um, waiting was put across Avita Medical and RPM Global. Uh, the July investment committee meeting will be on the platform next week. The fund is up just under 6%. Uh, the next half hour, we're going to be taking a look at Serco. Uh, Cobram Estate Olives, Transurban, Michael Hill, and the travel giant Hello World. Uh, Michael John wants a view on Circo. I don't think um, 
it has come up on the call before, mm. but it's um, a, a tech stock, uh, software solutions for corporate travel and expense management. Um, originally out of New Zealand, what's it I think? Yeah. Uh, and uh, now now around the world? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of this no. one. Um, so look on the positives. Um, Maybe, actually, I don't have any positives written down. About it. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was interested in what that was. I was going to say, that's not the greatest way to start the analyst on, on the positives I, 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 I and then a pregnant pause. I was um, trying to start our second half on a good note, and uh, I didn't realise. Um, they they did, no, they reaffirmed guidance yesterday, so no oh, nasty right. so surprises. But right. okay. unfortunately, they're... The and in this environment, that is a positive yeah, to give the benefit of the doubt. And what is it, they what did the give guidance back in May, not that long ago, and yeah. that was that their losses aren't as big as I think oh, the market that's was expecting. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, look, that's the positive. And, um, but, but look, yeah, jokes aside, I mean, it's, it comes back to you know, even Mark's point earlier. I mean, there's a lot of businesses out there. Do you need to hold something mediocre? And this, unfortunately, at this stage isn't, isn't even mediocre. So we know... We know what's happened in travel um, over the past sort of year or two, and we've seen travel stocks, Qantas. They've they've had a fantastic run. They're they're printing money. Mm. Um, they're in that area and they're making a loss. And um, so, look, if they couldn't make money in that period, um, I don't know what the next twelve months holds for them. And and the final nail in the coffin, unfortunately, is it only trades about thirty thousand dollars a day. So there just isn't much liquidity. Right. So just um, I don't really see the point of yeah. of, of getting involved, unfortunately. It, it's uh, ju- just from looking at it, um, it, it uh, drives a software of booking.com as well, <coughs> which a lot of people would use. But whereas, now we've got Hello World a bit later, Flight Centre, with um, airline ticket prices so high mm. and travel agents getting a commission on that, as the price goes up, the commission goes up as well. So everyone's happy. It's a beneficiary. Yeah. But as a tech provider, you get none of that upside, do you? That's, that's, you're that's just right. a supplier. You're an you're administrator for them. Yeah, and, and look, the other point, Jobs, I was going to say mm-hmm. for the Hello World um, later on is, um, you know, where where are travel sales going from now? Like we all get excited about what's happened, but if you look at the ABS. Um, numbers yesterday with the yes. CPI, we know that, that that's one of the portions <coughs> of, of the volatile sectors that has come back yeah. quite a bit. So we've probably Thank already God. seen the peak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So um, yeah, we've probably already seen the, the peak there. Oh, so yeah, yeah, look, they've... Yeah, I've actually noticed that the breakdown of the yeah. monthly CPI that came out yesterday, that was a big drop, wasn't it, mm. in travel and accommodation? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mark? Huh? Serco? Um, yes, it, it, so basically what their model is, is to provide the, uh, the software for the expense management and booking systems and so on. So that should be a good business if you're a good operator yeah. because you're getting a regular income stream and even with the COVID argument, if, yeah, you should have been paid going through that as well. Yep. So yeah, yeah. They've got, the trouble is they've got 27 cents per share in earnings and the share price is three, not earnings, 27 cents in sales. <laughs> And they're losing about 20% a year. Right. Um, and so they've been burning capital and they've been issuing shares. So shares have been going up. So they're diluting existing shareholders. And they've been listed for, I've got like seven years here, but say five full years, uh, never made a cent. 
Right. And the sales aren't growing. Right. So if you look at the sales at the at the uh, rate, they are very, very low. And we've actually got a massive multiple here on sales to the share price, which, in other words, if they ever do make a dollar, there's going to be a big uh, re-look at the company because they're going to go, hang on, this company's right. not worth $370 million when it's making 10 cents. And at the right. moment, it's not making anything. So it has that um, advantage of being in the space where by not making any money, you can't put a PE ratio on it or any sort of mm. ratios. Yep. So I would sell it because right. it's also share price is even high based on its range. Right. And I don't know what basis. And yeah. as Michael said, the, the guidance is the losses won't be as bad as everyone thought. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You prefer it to be prefer the announcement. <laughs> turn, like, turn, the, good, turn, the good news is we're going to make a profit and then yeah, it's yeah. going to be 15% here. Go, okay, now we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is a hope strategy and I don't know where the hope would come from. Okay. Right. All right, uh, our next stock, uh, Kenny wants a view on Cobram Estate Olives, of course, the uh, manufacturer and marketer of uh, Cobram Estate um, virgin oils, extra virgin olive oil, um, uh, Cobram Estate and Red Island. Uh, they account for about half of the olive market share in Australian supermarkets by value. Um, has operations in the US as well. Um, would be in virtually every kitchen. Um, do you have a culinary side to you? Uh, oh no, I've seen it. I've seen them. Uh, We've got some uh, uh, <laughs> at home. Are yeah, you a cook? So, no, no. My wife does all the cooking. It's, a, it's, it's above my pay grade. Right. <laughs> uh, I do all the eating. Right. Uh, uh, what's this like? Is it well? I, I, when, when I saw the name, I thought that'll be interesting because I've never looked at it. But yeah. I mean, it's only been listed basically. We've only got one full year. So right. prior to being listed, obviously it's been around for a long time. Yep. And I haven't seen what they put out when they listed it. It must have been a good, a good story because you have mm-hmm. to have a good story. But so far, you know, it's all pretty sad. I mean, they've they've basically got well, there's, but there's really nothing there that you could even I can draw any hope from. And they're due to report shortly, so it was the second year at least. Of, um, Jeez, of that was a good story on the float, wasn't it? Yeah, above, yeah. Above two dollars. But it, 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 I could when I'm just looking through some of the numbers on earnings per share and so on. Well, it literally, they made a loss. So, which I, I think for a business to be around for a long time like that, it's just listed. You would have thought they'd make a profit in mm. the first year, wouldn't you? I mean, it's a mature business. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah, and, and it's it should be pretty reliable too. Yeah. Anyway, so first gush at it doesn't look encouraging, and right. I, there's no way is there enough information there for okay. me to have an, an opinion. All right, uh, and it is an ag stock, so all sorts of things can happen to it, Michael. I suppose. Yeah, and um, I agree. I couldn't invest in it. Look, I you know I, we have the products. I I buy it. I cook, Mark. You know, you should learn to oh. do a bit of cooking. What's um, your signature dish? Have oh, you got a, a famous one? That, Oh look, I don't. Uh, I don't make desserts, so anything that's not a dessert. Right, right. But, oh, uh, that's broad. Oh look, I. Anything not a anything not a dessert is my specialty. I'm my, not very good at baking. My <laughs> famous one with the family is um, cheesy spaghetti and barbecue and barbecue chicken. Yeah. So which is easy. You just cook the spaghetti. You put the cheese in, tomato sauce, mix it all together, and buy a. Uh, chuck from Charcoal Charlie's and put on top. Wow. It's perfect. Wow, I can do poached eggs. Yeah. yeah, well, that's more complicated than <laughs> cheesy spaghetti and barbecue good. chicken, I reckon. Um, yeah, look, great, great product. Um, yeah, they've got a very big market share. Yeah. Um, they're expanding in the US. So it's one of those businesses that I guess, yeah, in terms of, in terms of sales and market share, they can grow, but are they going to 
to actually make a profit out of all of that. And it is very difficult um, in the agriculture space. I mean, mm -hmm. they had a, um, a market update, I think, only a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago when they spoke about their, their olive crop. And I think the, the yields are about 20% under what they expected. Um, I think, you know, with all the wet weather, it's hard to get the olives growing this season um, and the sizes are quite small as well. So you have those variations. Um, it just makes it mm. just makes it too hard to invest. Even, even if you, you know, understand the business very yeah. well, you just don't know what what lies ahead with, yeah. with the weather. So unfortunately, it'd be a no um, to, to yeah. invest in. Um, I remember uh, select harvest. <clears throat> yeah, quite quite a bit here on uh, on the call, which is what Armands is on, mm. and uh, um, uh, always. The, the panel goes, it's just too hard. There are too many moving parts. And then they did, soon after we had on the call, they did an update and they put out a profit warning because of the, uh, it was a massive harvest in California. <laughs> that was more than anyone expected. And, and so why? prices were going down yeah. and they were caught up in something that was happening in the United States. But before that, the reason they everyone was paying attention to it and it was coming up on the show is they came out with big profit increases yes. because California was in drought. Yeah. yeah so yeah. California is the biggest supplier of almonds in the world. Yeah. And they had shocking uh, uh, crops with the... And suddenly, hello, Select Harvest, is only a little guy, yeah. uh, was then yeah. getting record prices for their almonds. Yeah, so that's what got them on everyone's radar. And then, of course, the, the, the drought broke. Rains came in, yeah, yeah. arms were back, and the year after it went the other way. Surprise, surprise. Just too much. It's just too hard. Too, too, too much. Too and you can't predict it. No. No, no. Little alone here. We, same, it's, yeah. The other one was um, uh, Tassel. Yes. Yeah, with the fish. When we looked at that, we did a full analysis of it. And the, we came up with like a page of risks. Yeah. And, and half of them were things that out of their control. Yeah. You know, yeah so yeah. many things can go wrong in agribusinesses. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. when it's all going well, suddenly it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I draw the analogy with with other commodity stocks, so your BHPs and so on. I mean, yeah, they're cyclical and, um, uh, you know, you've got to ride the waves up and down and can be volatile, but BHP won't come out with an announcement and say, oh, you know, the whole iron ore mine's actually no good now and the share price drops 40%. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. a bit more gradual than that. So, yeah. um, whereas, yeah, these ag stocks, you might feel like you're doing okay and then you're one announcement yeah. away from just losing all your profit in one day. Yeah, and even, um, even elders, we had hard. elders in, I remember, because yes. um, yes. the CEO was on for a chat. But at that point in time, looking at it all, everything was firing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. That, it was like everything was good, everything. And you go, wow, therefore it's a sell. Yeah, yeah. really, <laughs> because there's just no way. And he was really happy. And of course, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you be like, yay? And then everything said, is going well right now. And then yeah. he said he was leaving. Yeah, uh, good timing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, he's staying now, <laughs> just as an update. Um, all right, something at the other end of the risk scale, uh, Michael, is our, our next stop, which uh, yeah. Ren wants a view on. Transurban, one of the uh, the world's biggest toll road operators in Australia and North America, 17 roads in Australia, five in the United States, one in Canada this morning, because it was looking at... Um, acquiring uh, a majority interest in Horizon Roads, which operates the Eastlink toll road, toll road in Melbourne. ACCC has some concerns about that going ahead. But mm. uh, 1st of July coming up on Saturday, so when your ETAG beeps, it will probably be up 7% or whatever they benchmarked inflation to your yeah. toll. Yeah, look, I mean, transurban, I guess it's sort of fairly well understood and, and simple. We know they, they collect the tolls, they're linked to CPI, 
um, you know, maybe you end up with a little bit of extra traffic or not, depending on economic conditions. But um, and this is why it's a fairly defensive stock, and, and investors like it for the dividend. But um, what's going to happen in the next twelve months? Look, I think. Well, looking back at the last twelve months, defensive stocks like this have, have been in favour. So whether it's Transurban or your Woolies or, or, mm. or whatever. So to me, that that now makes them quite expensive. And if we end up in an environment, which I think we will, where the money will start to come out of these defensives at some point and move into cyclical stocks, um, then they'll get cheaper. And I, so I think this is probably as good as it's going to get mm. um, for the next 12 months. And, take, um, take out COVID, there mm. that uh, you know, massive drop down. It trades within a fairly narrow range, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, about that's right. Marks. And to pick up on a point Mark made earlier um, regarding Ampol, okay, it pays a fairly reliable dividend, but with these businesses, when interest rates go up, you have to ask yourself, do you want to take on company risk oh. for a dividend? I don't know what it is. I have a lot in front of, of me, but no. yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> or you can just put your money in the bank. If you're going to get a share price that at best goes sideways, Hmm. Why take the risk? Okay, Mark, uh, your your filters must go berserk with well, it's just lots of like, red, like, like transfer. Just lights them up in red. That's right. right. So they've got one hundred and twenty three percent debt to equity. Yeah, which um, is normal. I, for look, I know. Mode, I know. Isn't yeah, it? But, but what you've got to remember though is if you look at their dividend, because people own it for income. But, you yeah, know, that's the point. And they paid eighteen percent. I think on the last for last year, but they didn't pay anything for two years during COVID. But they right. pay out way more than they earn, so they're only in four four cents, I think, last year. But they paid out twenty six cents or okay. twice. So, so is, isn't it right? I've never understood the accounting on these because yeah. you can you can borrow to pay out dividends. Yeah, right. So they're basically and you're raising you're increasing debt to pay out dividends, which. I don't, you know, for me, it obviously doesn't compute in, in no, logic terms, right. but that's what they do. And the thing is, though... And they can uh, get away with it with their accounting. Well, it, it, it's the way it is, but the sales the sales have been growing at negative 5%, so that's revenue coming right. in, and their profits have gone as, as negative 77 over the last six years. So they, you know, it's not just COVID. They peaked in 2018, then it's been, earnings have been going down like that. Right. So that's not good. No, it's not the sign of a healthy business in my mind. And and then they bumped up the massive payout on last year, which you know everyone thinks, oh, that's great. But yeah. that doesn't mean they can replicate that ongoing. Just but wait they took hard. on more debt. Yeah. So to, to me, it's, I, I just don't. I don't. It's outside our uh, totally outside. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have found it hard to get my head around the accounting. But uh, if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's probably right. Um, all right, let's go back to the retail space. Nora uh, wants a view, Mark Morland, on Michael Hill jewellery. Um, uh, retail jewellery stores in that sort of middle market. So you've got La Visa in the in sort of the wearable and you've got the, you know, the really flash jewellery stores at, at the... Uh, uh, at the high end, Michael Hill in the middle, uh, not only here in Australia, but New Zealand and also Canada. Yes. Um, now they had, they actually had, their trading was actually going down on a, on a annual basis fairly consistently with a couple of little bumps up until 220 and then they picked up. So they actually had a, a good second half COVID. 
and, oh, and you know, which is interesting because if you look yeah. at some of our other retailers, they really made a lot of money in uh, COVID. Yep. Uh, I think a lot of it came down to how the management reacted to it and what they did. Because yep. some people yep. batting the hatches down and stopped advertising and doing everything and others you yep. know, went for it. And there was, it was really a real opportunity on, on depending on how the management did it. Anyway, so it looks like Michael Hill came in late right. <laughs> in, in, from I'm looking at earnings, not, sale, not share price. Yep. Um, it's on a 7 PE. Uh, it passes all of our metrics except for stability. We like um, we need a minimum of 60% stability and prefer 80%, meaning that the average over the last six years, the earnings have had less than uh, 20% variation. So there's right. consistency. He's had a bigger one. Give, we'll give him a bit of a pass for part of COVID, but it dropped in 18, which mm-hmm. is before COVID. So that would have blown there. Um, so it doesn't pass from our point of view. We're showing it returning though, um, 10%, 10.3 on a margin of safety and 56 on default, which is very high because the PE is very low and the EPS growth rate is still average 26. Mm. So the, uh, I reckon the reality is if you took out COVID and so on, the EPS is, would be, what did I work out? Uh, actually, I think it was about 15. Right. Uh, roughly on my rough calculation, which yeah. is not bad. Yeah. So yeah, we like right. retail. So as a category, and one of the reasons I do like retail is it's actually very predictable. Right. Um, and the market overanalyzes it. Right. You know, with this, oh, we're having a recession, or oh, sell it all down. Oh, we're not having a recession, we'll buy it back. I mean, it it's makes it very easy yep. to buy against the market sentiment and it usually pays off to do that. But it's in the bottom of the green, which means the bottom quartile of its PE range, which is very cheap. It's 7.1, which is not that dissimilar to JB Hi-Fi and hmm. AX1 and other good retailers. Um, this wouldn't be in my top two or three. Right. Um, but it's got merit. Um, yeah. Buffett buys jewellery. He's got, he's got several big franchise chains with uh, Borsheims and others. So he, right. he thinks it's a very sustainable, everyone buys rings, people still get married. Right. You know, it's a very reliable long-term business right. when you've got it running well. So, so I don't have all your fil- filters that would be... Uh, yeah, so, yeah, well, it passes apart from stability. Okay. And uh, if it was just COVID, I'd give them a pass on it, but they dropped before COVID. Okay. So, look, so no. I'd, I'd say it's, if you have it, it's a hold. It's, right. not, it's not bad, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay. buy it. All right. So, all right, let's get Michael's view, and I'll come back on the broader retail view because it has been mm-hmm. hit for six. So... Are yeah. you a buyer of retail? Yeah, yeah look, I'd, I'd be avoiding it at the moment, but I am keeping an eye on these these retailers. I think there's a bit more pain ahead, but I'm just attracted to something that everyone else is throwing out. I don't want to you know, catch a falling knife, but um, but I think if the consensus is you know, giving up on these stocks, there'll be an opportunity at at some point because I'm not as I'm not as bearish the economy as, as some others. I mean, we saw the retail sales numbers today. They weren't great, but they were better than, than expected. And, um, you know, and, and I, inflation down. CPI's trending so, down. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand trends because even in the front pages of the paper, it's, you know, CPI is high, so the RBA has to raise. Yeah, but it's trending. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is right now. It's, it's trending. So yeah. I think people start to wake up to that pretty soon, maybe over the next few months. And and stocks like this might be an opportunity. So I think it's too early, but it'd be one on the watch list. So is it too early? Uh, Well, look, we we had a big debate about it with our members uh, in Sydney last week and on that that exact question. And the question is, there is already significant uh, discount into all the top, the big retailers, all of them, uh, on the assumption that we're going to have really bad uh, sales figures and their earnings are going to go down. Yep. JB Hi-Fi came out with a saying that they expected flat earnings. 
There's a big difference between flat earnings and 15% down, which is like uh, uh, bets and less and uh, uh, what was the other one? Um, They came Uh, out with bad results. City Sheik came out. And also... um, the fact the homewares one, I can't remember the name of it. Right. Uh, but the thing is, what the other thing oh, is, Harvey people, Norman. Well, not Harvey Norman. The week. Did they? What did they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a uh, below guidance. Right. So what happens though is the market looks at that and goes, oh, oh, those ones have come out with bad results. Therefore, they will all come out with bad results. It yep. just doesn't work like that because there's people. They're different. They're all different players, and they're making their own decisions on how they deal with their stock. Everything. They're, they're diff- there's differences. So you can paint it with that brush, but it's just very. It's a very simplistic approach to then saying because bets and less were down, therefore uh, yeah. the, all the retailers will be down. Yeah. But I think it's in the price. They're, they're, they're all at the, in the bottom of the green on their low, the low end of the bottom quartile of their normal PE range. And if you look at history, if you go back 15 years, back before we started getting free money, you go back to the GFC or pre-GFC, yeah. the trading range for these uh, retailers was about uh, 8 to 15 was the range. That's before. Yeah. So they're now at the lowest range they were pre-free money, which right. means there's no reversion demeanor argument on these high PEs. Like we've got these companies 100 times earnings. Yeah. There was no one on 100 times earnings 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No such thing. Yeah. 20 was like, what? That's really high. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think it's so you'll get overdone. Into well, you might be clever and say, well, so the question is, yes, I think they're buyers now. Uh, now, when they do report, could they go a bit lower? Maybe. But there's also a chance that they'll report and uh, because the report will be better than what people are expecting, they'll jump straight away. Right. I think it's you're in, you're in the very safe area now in that they're so low. Yeah. Um, and we've got, what, how many people we've got coming over the next year? Into Australia, how many? Yeah, yeah. There's four hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand. That's a lot of people, yeah. and a lot of those have got money, and they're all going to have to buy stuff. Yeah. So that's going to be accounted for. See, as like well. La Visa has been absolutely smashed over the last yeah. couple of months. Yeah, we're looking at La Visa next month. We haven't actually, we never, we've never looked at it in detail. So we're having, right. a, we're studying it. Oh, that'd be interesting. Well, it's got Brett then. Blundy involved, of course, which that's a, that's a plus. Yep, exactly right. He's the, uh, yeah. the retail genius, isn't he? He is. All right, our uh, final stock to uh, um, retail is always a, a talking point at the moment, but uh, travel stocks. Uh, Riley wants a view, Michael, on Hello World, the big travel distribution business. Uh, uh, Qantas is a big shareholder in it as well. It's, oh, they took over Qantas travel. Yeah, um, yeah just coming to the point that, uh, that I made earlier, I just think that the run in, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to paint them all with the same brush here, really. I, I think that um, you know, there's tougher times ahead for the travel industry. Looking at the ABS numbers yesterday, um, you know, Hello World had a massive run up in April. Um, you know, so did a number of other travel stocks where I think everyone just seems so so surprised of, of the resilience in that sector. And I think there was a bit of fear of missing out buying. But yeah, you know, when I look at the way, you know, because I look at the charts as well, I, I could see the momentum's coming out of the share price. And to me, it looks like the share price will head lower and we're heading into an uncertain period when it comes to travel. So for me, it's an avoid. You know, if you can come back to you know, closer to $2, uh, might be worth revisiting, but, right. but I think that runs runs over for the moment. Okay. Um, Matt Muller, they've benefited from massive margins, haven't they? Uh, flight, well, you travel a lot to visit your family in Seattle and stuff like that, your daughter and uh, uh, ticket prices. Terrible. Been outrageous. It has been. 
Totally yeah, outrageous. Yeah. Damn Qantas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gouging. Well, all, good all for the, the shareholders, well. but I'm not a shareholder. I'm yeah, a user. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, look, hello, I had a look at Hello World. I've never really looked at it before. Um, founder led. Yeah, founder led. Uh, if, if, if I look at their earnings over 10 years, so if I take out the, uh, the effect of COVID, obviously yep. they're out of their control. It's about 15.5% uh, EPS growth. The other thing, though, is they've sold down a significant part of their corporate travel business to corporate travel, yep. as in CTD, uh, which is one of our companies we like, yep. um, for 100 million cash and 85 million uh, corporate travel shares. Right. CDT, that's, that's a big asset oh, of theirs now. Okay. So they have a significant stake in corporate travel who yeah, we really yeah. like. So I, I put out that as a big plus. Right. It's currently on a PE of about four, according to um, what it looks like for, to me. Uh, they said in their report that they're back in, they're, well, they're back into profit now and they and it'll start going going forward we fine and I'm sure yeah. it will. Um, as Michael said, it's had a run up. It's not something we, we, I'd be interested in because the business is a lot more complicated. I like corporate travel because it's very even. Yeah. I like even flight center. I like better than this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because these guys have got You've operations in Fiji. They've got all sorts of stuff, and they do yeah. package. So it's, it's a much more complex beast right. with a lot of uh, independent agents, like franchise type operations and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But they run it well. There's okay. nothing wrong with it. So I'm not going to poo it or anything. It's, uh, uh, but it's, it's a bit hard. For me, and I think their best asset is the, their shares in okay. travel. All right, uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Um, Circo, uh, a no from both Michael and Mark. A sell from Mark. Cobram, no. Transurban, no. Uh, Michael Hill, a hold from Mark, a no from Michael, and Hello World, a no from both as well. Um, Michael, great to have you on board. Thank, Thank you, you for that. Good to see you, Mark Morland from. Uh, team of best. I almost said think markets, but no. Oh, so much, no, never no, no. Oh, <laughs> the king of the charts, Carl Cole oh, from oh think markets. No. <laughs> uh, very different to you. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, quick programming note before we leave you: our next virtual investor event is coming up on the fourth of July. Succession. Uh, no, it's going to be hosted by me, not Logan Roy from Succession. Uh, even if you're not a billionaire media baron, it's worth joining us for this one. We're going to dig into the most common mistakes people make when transferring wealth to the next generation. We'll be looking at estate planning, tax structures, family offices, business transfers, philanthropy. So, uh, plus plenty of opportunity to have your questions answered as well. If you subscribe to our emails, you'll know about this. You would have registered already. Uh, if you haven't, just head to osbiz.co forward slash success. I'll, I'll call Brett Blunder. He'll, he'll want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he is in the Logan Roy League, I reckon, as well. Yeah. Uh, that's it for our show for today. If you'd like any stocks for me to uh, put to our expert panel, uh, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us using the at Ausbiz TV handle. See you same time tomorrow for another episode of the Call More of Ausbiz Live after this.